And we're back for another episode of Midweek Mentions. Here's a voice you haven't heard in a really long time. It's Anne from Brooklyn. Unfortunately, I was dealing with some uh, medical stuff that hopefully has cleared its way out. And uh, I'll be back to being more regular on this podcast and in life in general. But I digress. So this evening, we're joined by the lovely and newly Florida resident, Allie. How are you, Allie? It's hot. Yes, that that tends to happen in Florida in, in August. And then we have Schweitz up in Canada. How are you? Bonjour. Bonjour. It's also hot. <laughs> Seems to be a theme. Who would have guessed? And of course, our regular and uh, always lovely Mayor Matt. How are you, Mayor? Good. Hello. Haven't been that regular lately, but uh, at least on the podcast. But every everything else digestively has been very regular. Thankful for That's- that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it's been a while and uh, we're back. And like I said, hopefully uh, you've all had a lovely summer and uh, you've missed us. And hopefully you'll be uh, enjoying us on a more regular basis. But we're going to get going with some stuff. Uh, You know, it's been a today is Wednesday when we're recording and it's been an interesting week of shows. We've got so much to talk about. And we're going to start off by going out to Mayor for one of his topics. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, we'll start with uh, the return of Smeddy and a couple of things from Wednesday's show. And I saw everybody's ears kind of perk up, but I've got to tell you uh, during the Lane Kiffin interview today, she broke into the Jimbo Fisher, dusted off the Jimbo Fisher impersonation. And I, I, I just love it. It's one of the things that she does that I really enjoy. And she was able to mix it in while she had another coach on. And I thought that was fantastic. But where she really knocked it out of the park was the top five slash Mount Gregmore of top five criticisms from Tuesday's show. She hit on five topics uh, because she wasn't on the show on Tuesday, but she was listening to the show and it was driving her crazy on the other end as a listener going, no, wait a second. How about this? You know, things that they weren't doing and. Again, she had five very valid points. Mike even chimed in that when he's not on the show, it drives him crazy listening back to the show because he does pretty much the same thing, some with the technical side, but also things that, you know, that should be said or could have been said that weren't said, kind of coaching at home. And to me, that was very refreshing because I think sometimes I might get a little sensitive to criticism, but that's exactly the way I think every fan of that show experiences the show every day by talking back to it and being interactive and going, no, I want you to say this line or say this person. I just found that enjoyable. I don't know if you had any comments or quips about the, uh, what, what was missed on the show. Yeah, I I would agree with you there, mayor. Um, and I'm a, someone who has not always been Smitty's biggest fan. I'm not going to hide that fact, but I will say I do sort of enjoy when she comes back and she sort of has things to say and sort of, you know, has these criticism or these points that she wants to bring up. Because sometimes I feel like she sort of waits for the exact moment to to get something in and then she pulls back and then five minutes later, she, you know, jumps in again. So I really do like when she sort of brings brings these criticisms to the show, because I, I do think, like you said, sometimes they don't really want to hear the criticism or they don't at least respect where the criticism is coming from. And at least internally, they do seem to be able to sort of 
understand or poke fun at each other and, and understand, you know, oh, Roy, you should have chimed in with this here, or I can't believe we didn't have Billy on today to talk about this topic or whatever. And I think that's that's really refreshing for a show that sometimes is self-aware and sometimes is wildly unself-aware of what's going on. And I think it's always good when they're able to sort of hold up a mirror, even if it's one of them saying, hey, guys, you should you should think about some other things that 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 were observed by me when I was being a fan of the show versus necessarily being sort of thick in the middle of it. Well, and specific to her list, I mean, Dan mentioned that he had experiment, experimented with ketamine and nobody asked a follow-up question to that. And I was sitting <laughs> there going, wait a second, did he really just say that? And I'm not all that familiar with ketamine, but I know it's, I mean, he said he was doing kind of this, clinical situation and I'm I was just dumbfounded that nobody had the interest to kind of pursue that at all. I also feel like sometimes people are sort of afraid to go back at Dan and sort of want to sort of let what he says sit a little bit. I mean Stu is is all about sort of that, but sometimes I feel like other times, other than Billy's chaosness that we all sort of love, sometimes I feel like they sort of let Dan throw stuff out there and it's like, wait a second, how are you not checking him on that? Never mind something like this. Like you say, ketamine, it's not like, it's not like you said, I had, you know, I didn't have salad for dinner last night. He said something that's like, wait a second, how, how do we get here? <laughs> kind of thing. I, I think also when, you know, when, especially if they don't have Whitty or Mike in, the other guys are sort of doing other editing or other stuff behind the scenes or, or whatnot. And they're not really fully paying attention to some of the conversations. So they miss some of those moments, especially if they're fast. There's usually, you know, one or two people engaging at, at some points, I find. Fair point. And if I'm not mistaken, that they've done this before. I think it was Smeddy and Chris Cody, like, months ago, did, like, hey, if you're off, you would come in the next day, and they'd give your top five of stuff that they missed. And then it just stopped going. I thought it was a great bit. But they, they just stopped doing it. Just like with Witties, he was supposed to learn something new every day since January 1st, and we're on, like, day, what, like, 190-something? and we haven't gotten yeah. that update since they mentioned it on Mystery Crate probably a couple months ago. But yeah, I appreciate the the list salute to Olivia Newton John. They they probably don't all get to listen to the show when they're not there as well. So Well, Allie, you brought up Olivia Newton John, and that was another item on the list. But let's really think about this. Do we want this group of men? talking about Olivia Newton-John, if you are trying to give a tribute, we've seen how they've recently done, you know, tributes to people like Hank Goldberg. I just don't know that it's almost better that they did forget or failed to mention Olivia Newton-John because they would have, they would have stumbled or tripped into something that probably would have been better off not being stumbled onto or tripped over. They didn't have to talk about it that much. They just, they could have just mentioned it. It's a, it's a moment in pop culture. I get if, if, if Taché was in studio, they probably would have done a little bit more. Good point. So the other thing, and I've let y'all know this ahead of time, so I better have some answers from you. I'll start with a top five. Well, no, we're going to go around the room. You know, there was a lot of topics. Uh, they talked about fajitas this week. And of course, it sparked this. It was, the catalyst for that was a conversation about foods that smell great or smell greater than they actually taste. Not that it doesn't taste good, but something that smells better than it actually tastes. And of course, coffee, fajitas was on the list. So it got me to thinking, and there was other, uh, Greg Cody tried to work one of his lists on it on a Greg Cody Wednesday. He was a little saucy today, but there was, uh, my question to you is, 
what are foods that smell bad when you're cooking them, but taste good? Of course, taste is a relative thing. So Schweitz, we know you're a picky eater, but you've got something, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, like if a, if food doesn't smell good, I'm probably not eating it. But the food that came to mind when you asked this question was when I worked, I worked at a, one of the dining centers at my university. And during Black History Month, they went to do some foods for black culture. They got a lot of input from the, the community of the school and whatnot. And one of the foods they decided to make was chitlins. Mm-hmm. It was the worst smelling thing I've ever smelled because of how that is prepared. It is, I believe it is intestine that's boiled for a prolonged period of time. So the kitchen that I was working in had a giant vat of boiled intestines in it that they had to boil for I think 24 hours to two days. Usually I can deal with bad smells and I could not deal with that. It, it made the entire place stink. So I just assume that those must taste good if you're going to be willing to put up with that smell. I wouldn't know because there's no way in the world it is. It's uh, pig intestines and they have to boil it for that period of time to make sure all the things that are sitting in said intestines get cleaned out of there and washed away and everything gets kind of sterilized in the process. But that's... I was the one that cleaned up when they were done. Yummy. So I've got two to put on that list. Um, the first is kimchi, which people may or may not have partaken. It's, you know, it, it's largely in Korean foods. Um, and it just has this pungent, just, I mean, you know, it's, it's basically a cabbage, but it just, when you, when you cook it, it has such a strong and pungent um, scent. And I have a friend who's, who, you know, growing up, we, if he would make it every so often or his parents would make it or whatever. And I just remember like, especially the first couple of times I have it, I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm at, I'm at my friend's house. I can't really be offensive and not necessarily try, you know, what they're eating. And, oh, the smell is just awful. Or at least it was for me. Again, different shows to different folks, but it did taste delicious. And, and I really do love kimchi. Um, I just try not to be around it when it's being cooked. <laughs> If that makes any sense. So that's one for me. And then another one is a little more homemade. My grandmother used to make a stew. And I don't know all that I had in it, but it had like beef shank was like the main protein in it and a whole bunch of vegetables. And I that would just smell up the house in the most awful way. I would have to go outside. I could not be in the kitchen. It was just awful. But when I ate it, it certainly tasted very good. It still had a little bit of an odor to it when when you would eat it or, you know, when it was being served out, it still had a little bit of, of the odorous left in it, or maybe it was just that it was so strong when it was being cooked. The kitchen still smelled of it. But um, certainly for me, those are, those are two very distinct. I remember, you know, both more when I was growing up than necessarily anything recently, but two very, very pungent meals or because I had them both multiple times where the smells were just overpowering. And yet at the end, it tasted very good. That's what I got. What about you, Al? You got anything? Yeah, so I have ground beef before you put any seasoning on it. So just when you're browning it, before you drain it, I think that's one of the worst smells ever. And then when you're trying to make your own cheese for macaroni and cheese, because it comes so close to like burning your pan, just that right before it gets to that that level of heat, before it burns, it just, when you're making cheese, smells disgusting, but cheese is delicious. 
I would also add uh, mushrooms. Mushrooms smell awful when you try to saute them. That's good. When you eat them, they're pretty good. Yeah, mushrooms is a good one. Burnt chocolate is also a pretty awful smell if you ever uh, are using that in a recipe and burn it. Well, y'all gave me uh, a couple of an item to add. Actually, a couple items and a couple stories that I'll try to get through quick before I give you my top five. Uh, I'll start with the the outside looking in. Allie, you mentioned ground beef. I'm going to go with ground turkey. We don't do a lot of ground beef, try to stay away from the red meat as much as possible, unless I'm eating steak, but ground turkey is vile while it's being cooked, but it's uh, much better once you've got it cooked. My mom, Aunt, you'll appreciate this, during the Lenten season, uh, in a way of mixing it up, she used to make something that she was very proud of, which was a tuna noodle casserole. Ooh. <laughs> the reactions from everybody. Yes, uh, it's exactly what you it would be. Tuna, like a broad noodle. There is cheese in it. Uh, she'd mix in a, like peas. And of course, tuna, because you couldn't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. And instead of just having fried fish, she would break out the tuna noodle casserole. I'm sure it was a very inexpensive dish to make. I'm sorry. I think I've got ant gagging over there. Um, but the, the actual thought of it um, makes me a little bit nauseous. It was not a favorite. I brought that up to my mom about a month ago and she says, Oh, I love that. Oh, I used to, Oh, I'd love to make them. I was like, please don't, please don't. The other one I was doing some, uh, play by, I was not one doing play by play. I was doing public address announcing for a baseball team down here at Kennesaw college, Kennesaw state university, actually. And they had a, an event where they were hoping that all these students would show up and participate in kind of a Mardi Gras kind of celebration. And it was a hot, obviously it's the middle of the summer and student participation wasn't nearly what they had expected. So they had a bunch of leftover food. And so they would, I mean, we would get food occasionally on the weekends, you know, during ball games, they would bring it up to us. Well, this particular day on a hot summer day in Georgia, they thought it was a good idea to bring us a big pan of crawfish. Now, I don't know if y'all eat crawfish. I'm not a fan. It's too much work for what you get out of it. It's one of those foods you either love it or you hate it. I'm not a fan. But I can tell you that sitting around with a, trying to call a baseball game or or try to do your job with a plate of just stinking crawfish sitting there the whole day was, was not enjoyable. But without further ado, I bring you my top five list of foods that smell bad while you're cooking them and taste much better once you once they're cooked. Number five is fish. Any type of fish that's very aromatic is going to be problem, problematic. But again, I'm a, I'm a fish fan. Matter of fact, had some salmon tonight, but I do a lot of cooking on the grill. So it uh, doesn't really bother me inside much. Number four I have is asparagus. Asparagus, I'm a fan of asparagus. I like it, but when it's cooking, it is uh, it can be rather vile. Number three, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, I'm out of, Brussels sprouts are kind of divisive. Some people like them, some people don't, but if you do them right, char them and then put them in the oven, uh, they're pretty fantastic, but they are not fun at all. Uh, number two, of course, is Christmas. And the number one bad smelling food that tastes much better, I had some tonight, steamed it. It's been a long time since I've done it. Now I realize why, is broccoli. Broccoli will funk up the entire home and had the fan on the oven go and the vent just just on full speed, but it was no match for the funk of, of the broccoli. Well, that is a good list. And just to jump back, the reason I winced is when you brought up the tuna noodle casserole, I remembered that I had an aunt who made that mm-hmm. and 
Oh, man. Anyway, neither here nor there. We move on. Yes, I'll send it back to you for other topics. So I want to throw out a topic that has sort of been a hot topic, a little sportsy for us, but um, with the news that Serena Williams is sort of going to make her way to retiring or whatever she wants to necessarily call it, um, as far as that coming in, I wanted to know, especially Mayer, who's who's a little bit older and probably ran across some of the the, the tennis, the greats that we, you and I probably watched when you were younger. Where do you think Serena sits as far as the tennis greats go, or even just athletes in general, and 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 where you sort of see her and and the dominance that she's sort of seen the last 15, 20 years, even. I mean, you know, the last forty years or so of fifty years of watching sports. You know, it's been a joy to watch, you know, Pete Rose, the home run, you know, the hit king to uh, Michael Jordan and, and experience every bit of that as part of my youth to see the emergence of LeBron and Kobe and great basketball players to be, to be around to watch Jack Nicholas win a Masters at 46 and then to see the, the entirety of Tiger Woods. You know, there have been so many phenomenal athletes. I mean, that's just scratching the surface of it. I would tell you the greatest athlete in my lifetime is Serena Williams. And I don't even think it's close. And I'm not even that big of a tennis fan, but when you look at what she has accomplished, uh, the way that she has held herself, uh, I think 500 and something straight weeks of being number one, over five years of being the number one ranked tennis player. I, I mean, if you, then you go on beyond that with what she and her sister, I'm sure faced as they broke into a world that is, primarily white, uh, but subtract all that. A woman who has charted her own course, entrepreneur, smart as anything can be, and has always done everything with grace, hands down the greatest athlete I've seen in my lifetime is Serena Williams. Allie, what do you think? I agree with Mayer in the fact that she's just had such a stranglehold in her sport for such a long time that nobody really even comes close to matching that within women's tennis and with any other sport, like even with the men with Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, throw in, you know, Pete Sampras or whoever it was good back in the day, Andre Agassi, nobody even comes close to her just with how dominant she was. And just like what mayor said, all her off the court stuff that she's been involved with, involved with all the health issues she's had postpartum depression, the, complications she had from delivering her her child she won a major while she was two months pregnant like that's insane to even think about and she like crushed it she didn't just like barely win she absolutely crushed the competition so yeah Serena hands down nobody comes close I mean considering the difficulty of that sport and that it's generally just you and just how hard it is and like you don't get coached while you play and all that stuff yeah it's it's an incredible feat. Obviously, what's always brought up with her because she was so dominant is that she didn't have, you know, any rivals that stood out. There was no, you know, so like that's what that's, you know, one of those sports wishes people want is, you know, I wish there was somebody that could push her more. You want to just see her in that sort of setting, which it doesn't really feel like you've got a lot of. Um, I will say like every time, you know, I'm not a big tennis fan. I know a bit about it. I know a bit about the history. 
what she did was crazy. And I will say it's like, I will, when I watch her, I will watch her. She's currently playing in Toronto right now at the uh, national something. They just changed the name of the tournament. It, I, whenever I watch her, I wish that they let the women play more sets instead of, you know, best of three. I want them playing best of five. Like I want her extended. I want her dominant, you know, cause, cause it would have been even more impressive because she would have won all these games and straight sets anyway. Like she still would have dismantled people. It just would have been, you know, I, I wish they let her play more. I want to see her more. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here because I actually would agree very much that I think she's by far and away the best athlete I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm on a similar, you know, age range as, uh, as Mary goes at the same time, I feel like I need to sort of argue the other side a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pull out, um, a little mad dog here who was arguing this point today, uh, first take and how, what Swatch was leading to alluding to is she basically had no rivals. Venus was never anywhere near as good. Um, Sharapova was never anything. She destroyed Sharapova for all that Sharapova may have been. She never had any luck against Serena. And then if you look back at like Martina Navratilova, for example, and she had rivals with Chris Everett, she had Steffi Graf, she had other people who were much better than anyone that Serena has faced in her time. But as I say all that, I'm going to throw that in the trash because for me, it's it's Serena. And 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 she was just so dominant in it wasn't like she was only good, you know, on grass or only good on hard court. She won on all the surfaces, you know, and as Mayor said, all that time in number one, I just look at her, her dominance and all that she overcame to get, you know, to where she got and. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to use this moment to sort of give a give, give a give a golf clap for uh, Serena and all she's done. Um, a just in her sport, and also B for all the additional women who are much more engaged in sports, even not necessarily just minorities, but showing like you can do whatever you want, sort of out here. And and she, you know, would whip anyone's behind whenever it came to pass. And so. I'm glad she's leaving on her own terms. It seems though, even though I think she does realize, you know, she's not as good as she once was. She's sort of able to sort of go out as she wants to or how she wants to, you know, and I think that's also nice from my opinion to see. I agree with you from the standpoint that there's, you know, Connors and, you know, Connors and McEnroe or, you know, there was, there was never any rival. And again, Howard Bryant did a good job on yesterday's show talking about, you know, the fact that, when the times that she was beaten, I think this was on his segment. They were, somebody I was listening to was saying, "Look, it was always, it was always somebody that played the match of their life. It was always somebody that jumped out of nowhere that just had it that one particular day that she happened to not be on." But the fact that she's competed for twenty, she's been a, a professional for twenty-seven years in a sport that requires a tremendous amount of athleticism. Again, the agility, the endurance the hand-eye coordination, the physical toll of playing tennis, uh, and as you mentioned, Anna, different surfaces, it's it's just simply and absolutely remarkable, uh, the run that, that she was on. Also, uh, if you have never read Andre Agassi's book, Open, which is an uh, autobiography, he came out maybe five, six years ago, it gives you 
perspective on how tough tennis is, how difficult it is, how hard it is on the body. And it just, it, uh, it's a great book, even if you're not, don't really care about tennis, but, uh, it's a wonderful read if you like sports and it makes Serena in particular look more impressive with what she accomplished. We look around and we all see our favorite athletes or who we like the best. And then there's athletes that just sort of rise above with how they act, what they do, composure, you know, all the stuff that, that, that they deal with. And cheers to you, Serena. Yep. I'll wrap a bow on that with this. If you remember the Super Bowl commercial last year, where you had all these fantastic athletes that are all considered the top of their game, you know, at the bowling alley, every single one of them, you know, at the end stopped and turned around and was kind of like, Oh, there. And it's Serena walking through the door and all of them. I mean, it was just like, yeah, that's, that's the one right there. So even among the most elite athletes, she's recognizes that. And like you said, Aunt, not many people go out on their own terms. So kudos to her. And who knows in a few years, uh, that little girl of hers, or maybe I guess she wants to have a, another child, which is one of the things driving this maybe before we're too far out of this, that there'll be a chance to watch the siblings or the, the children of, of Serena, maybe carry that mantle forward. I'm going to toss it over to Swite. She's got a topic he wants, uh, he wants to hit with us. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Stu Gatz and his trip to Canton, Ohio, for Tony Baselli in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think our listeners may remember that I grew up in Canton, Ohio, so... Um, I'm very familiar with the Hall of Fame and how this week's events play out and the proceedings. I was laughing my ass off last week when Stu Gatz said he was going to fly to Detroit and then drive to Canton, which is about a three and a half hour drive, not the 90 minutes he thought it was. Um, I'm sure you can get direct flights, but I was just really enjoying uh, the fact that Stu Gatz actually went. I don't think a lot of us actually thought he would end up going. Um I wish Billy went too, but just you guys. And, you know, he was showing pictures from the parade. I, I knew exactly which, uh, which block he was on. I could tell by the, the building in the background. My family used to sit about uh, 300 feet or so from there. When we would watch the parade, we always had the same stop, uh, same spot. He was never going to get in the car with them. Those cars are local they're either from a local sports car dealership or they're like local hot rod and um car groups that volunteer their car but the driver is always the owner of the car so stugatz was never going to be allowed to drive any of those cars but i was just having a lot of fun with uh, like all the hall of fame people coming to town all the hall of famers all the big wigs um canton sort of awful it's an awful time to be there if you live there because it's just the population quadruples uh it's where a lot of these businesses make all of their money for the year sort of like how cooperstown it's a bigger city than cooperstown but um everything's packed you know we we avoid most areas when we're there when we're home we just know don't come that weekend um but I, it just made me very happy that Stu Gatz got to enjoy my hometown even if he thinks it's uh weird I, I'm going to chime in um, and back up some of what Schweitz has to say. Um, I have family that lives very close to that, to Acton Canton. 
And for the longest time back when uh, Southwest used to fly direct from me in New York out there. And so I used to always take a direct flight to Canton um, to go visit family. And when Stu got started talking about all his, uh, all his flighting plans and all that stuff, I was just laughing, laughing, laughing. A, because I knew it was all baloney, as Swice just sort of said, but also B, because he was like, he was thinking he was going to be able to, you know, if there was any direct flights, they were sold out months ago for the Hall of Fame. The whole, as I said, the Hall of Fame is a huge deal out there. And so um, as someone who did not think for a second he was going to make it, um, I was very happy to see him go. Um, I was very happy. While it would have been funny if Billy had went, I thought it was sort of cool that Stu made the trek on his own and didn't have to have someone sort of hold his hand to get him there. Um, and, you know, I remember <laughs> listening to Vaselli's speech and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then still waiting like, no, he's not mentioning Stu. And so I just thought it was, you know, it was a good sort of bow on the end of it for me. Um, that Stu actually did go. Stu got, you know, to sit with, with Khan and, you know, he, he, he did, he did just fine, but, uh. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good bit that, you know, I, I like when they do these things. I like when they send a meet in Milwaukee and I like, you know, I like when they do these necessarily, you know, I, I, I'm not a golf fan, but going to Tahoe is fun. And, you know, even if you don't get great people, they get some people. So I always love when they do these sort of road bits and, and, you know, in many ways, as we all know, sometimes when they don't work out, they're funny when they do work out, but even still. So um, I sort of liked everything that we got out of Stu in the Hall of Fame, and I thought it was really cool. I thought it was surprising, the the amount of content that he did provide from it, because he does get hammered from time to time. Well, I'm sure he was hammered, but he gets uh, beat up sometimes from the group for going on things and not getting content. I thought the amount of content that he provided was uh, was great. And like I said, having live updates from different places and sharing videos and I thought it was wonderful. Um, I do want to transition if that's okay. I, I have Actually, one more no, no, point. No, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I just have one more thing. And I'm sorry we're an audio medium and I'm going to make a visual joke, but why every time Stu takes a picture, does he suck in his face and give himself three chin? Why doesn't he ever like put his neck up and out? Like he makes it like he sucks his like whole face in and it gives himself like three chins. It looks yeah, awful. You got, you got to take the picture again, more visual stuff. You got to take the picture from up here. You can't be taking it from down here. And you, you never angle up. Always got to be down. Yeah. You, you know, from and if head. you're, if you're like he's, me, you got to be He's literally too lazy to lift his arms. <laughs> it's always someone else taking the picture anyway. I just feel like he like, you know, puts his head back and then like his neck gives him a third chin. Like it's not yeah. even necessary that his chin gives him a third chin. How much? How much do you miss Billy? Uh, I want to just reach out and say, Billy, I hope you're uh, on the mend, or hopefully you're getting past all these kidney stones or this one kidney stone or whatever it is you got. I just, I just miss having his voice on the show, and it's it's highlighted when they do a rejoin and his voice is on the rejoin. It just kind of just pops in, and you go like, Oh my gosh, there's Billy! You get so excited about it, but. We certainly hope that that Billy's on the mend and he'll be back sooner rather than later. They haven't really given an update on him, and that's fine. I mean, last we knew he had the the kidney stone problem, and it really is none of our business what his health situation is. But I just hope he knows that everybody's 
hoping that he gets back sooner rather than later. Did they mention last week that he was taking some vacation this week, or was this somebody said they were? So that might have been witty. Yeah, Probably I, was was I may have missed it. He may be getting geared up because you know he is the fifth uh, ranked football expert. He's got to save up. Got to rest up. Yeah, got to get ready. Rest up for goblins football. Got to get ready to drop those dookie bombs. Don't invest in rollerblades. If you think they're a good idea, don't don't invest in them. So I had this genius idea because my kids have to bike to school that in order for me to keep up with them because I can't run like a normal person because I have a broken hip that, oh, hey, I'll just buy rollerblades instead of a bicycle like a normal person. So I bought these rollerblades and then used them today and then realized, oh, yeah, the roads are not in the best shape. They're not very smooth, kind of what you need for rollerblades. So me trying to cross a four lane, very busy highway trying to get to the school with about 30 cars watching me eagle-eyed walking around. Like I'm just now learning how to walk did not bust until the cars drove away. I busted my butt in the grass and I would clinch the crosswalk sign. Once I got to the end, don't invest in rollerblades. As Chris Cuddy would say, if you have eight wheels, you have no wheels. Myriad of questions come to mind. Uh, you currently have a broken hip? I've had one. I heard it whenever I was in the Army. Okay. So running, is, for my service. running is not an issue. Thank you for your service. Running is not uh, in the cards for you. I understand that. But somehow, again, with a questionable hip that's prone to injury, rollerblading, we're going to check the box in the yes column on that? Yes, because it's not hard on my body, like too much effort, like hitting the ground. And going fast, whereas you're just gliding with roller. I mean, I'm not roller thinking blade. about the rollerblading part. I'm thinking of the potential falling part. Yeah, I didn't really factor that into it because, okay. again, I thought, oh, hey, I'll get there just fine. I'll just use the sidewalk. Oh, wait, I have to cross a busy road that's super bumpy. And the crosswalk is rigid where it's been painted to slow things down, including rollerblades. And it was really bad. And I had to take off the rollerblades when I brought them home from school. So I was walking in 105 degree weather in bright orange socks. How about some so ski don't invest in rollerblades, people? Ski poles? Is that I option? wish. I should have just hung on to the back of one of my children's bicycles and they should have pulled me home. But one of my That's skates. That's exactly where I was going to go. Well, then another bad point is that I realized I was already committed to going and I was already running. Like I left at the right time to get there. If I wasn't walking, if I would be rollerblading without any issue that one of my skates was messed up and was defective, that the wheels weren't straight up and down, they were sideways. So I'd have to angle my left foot. Like basically like I was trying to roll my ankle every time I would have to skate because the wheels were messed up. So it was just a, a, an art browse trip from the get-go. Okay. Well, and again, buying a bicycle, just a bike with your kids didn't cross your mind and I'm going, no. and again, I haven't seen the rollerblades. Maybe you can provide some evidence here. Uh, but that sounded like a Stugatz or a Greg Cody kind of reasoning why this was a failure was saying that the rollerblades were not in, in alignment. So you're blaming the wheels versus rollerblading skill instead of my skill. And I'm, and I'm sorry okay. if it feels like I'm attacking you, but I'm, you have much more courage than I do to, to try to rollerblade. So I have justification as to why I didn't get a bike for in the mornings. I have to bring my four-year-old with me and he bikes 
like a grandma. He's not very confident. So I didn't want to buy a bike because I wouldn't be able to use it because he would be biking so slow. So I'm just basically walking fast beside him to get to school. But then he's at school in the afternoon while I go and pick them up. So that's when I was like, hey, I'll just rollerblade there because that's the same speed as my kids will bike. And rollerblades are cheaper than a bicycle. Fun fact. But now I turned in my rollerblades. So I got my $60 back for rollerblades and then spent $200 on a bicycle. So I should have bought the bicycle from the very beginning. But I just took the scenic route to realize I needed a bicycle. Should have gone to a pawn shop or played again sports and gotten a $50 bicycle. But Jeff Bezos makes everything super convenient. Just like he took my rollerblades back, even though they were on my feet. Taking them back. No issue. No questions. Thank you, UPS and Amazon. Salute to Jeff Bezos. So the other idea I had is, or that I would have thought of is, why didn't you ride one of your kids' bikes home? Once you got there and realized, I can't rollerblade home, ride one of their small bikes home. Just, and then Uh later figure it out. I am not small, aunt. I would break. I would crush their bicycle. Then they would cry because I would be on their bicycle and they wouldn't. And so they would have a fit. Okay. And kids and fits in public are not fun. I'd rather bust my ass in front of people than to have my kids. And I I just like to throw out really quick. You said you're not small. Yeah, to these three people. To me, Schweitz, and Mayor. No offense, Mayor. (laughs) But (laughs) so, Allie, you are small, but point still taken. That's fine. But the end result is I have a bicycle on its way. And in in the meantime, I just have to tell them to bike slowly when I go and get them. Because until the bike comes, I have no other option but just to walk. Can you get a bike seat for your youngest to put? He's 41 pounds and a lot of them only go to 40. Yeah, no. That's the max limit. And then I looked into getting one of those bike trailers but those are really expensive. Those are those are really expensive. Those because really I'd have to get a two seater one because the one seaters are just forty pounds max, and I'm like, oh my god, you're just like right there. <laughs> <sighs> Lesson learned: rollerblades, not great on a road. Could be worse. You didn't you didn't hurt yourself too bad. Just your pride. Yeah, I didn't fall that bad. I fell in the grass but I did not fall on the pavement. I did not have a car run me over. So again, positives. This conversation also makes me miss Billy. <laughs> oh God, I would love to see Billy on rollerblades. That just would Down be... the Clevelander car parking garage. Yes. Actually, there's a question I'll throw out to you. Who on the show do you think would be the worst at rollerblading? And who do you think would be the best? I think Witty will be the worst because he's never done it before because he's too young. And Chris Cody's probably sneaky good at everything. So he's probably the best at it. Yeah, I got Chris or perhaps Roy would be the candidate of being a big hockey fan. He's probably sent some, spent some time on blades. I know they had their little hockey escapade a few years ago. I don't, I mean, he, he wouldn't be doing twists and turns and twirls, but he would, he would be able to get from point A to point B in pretty good fashion. I think. I mean, like, like all the, all those guys too are all in like the right age where like rollerblades, like really, like I'm the same age as all of them. Like rollerblades really hit at that, you know, when we were getting, turning like 10, 11, 12. So they would, they would be, they would have had more experience. Yeah. Aunt and I, we had the old, the old shoe style. At least least I did. Rollerblades weren't really a thing until after we'd kind of aged out of going to those skating rink. 
I used, oh, I, to, I used to ice hockey. I used to, I used to skate on ice, you know, when we lived in New York and I was a young kid and of course you weren't afraid of falling and was pretty darn good at it, but not anymore. It's not like a bicycle. If you don't do it, it, it leaves you. And there, there is no way I would get on rollerblades. I just, again, maybe some of it's an age thing, but something that doesn't have brakes is just kind of a, a concern for me. Yeah. And I, only one, one skate has the brake, and it's just not that good of a break to begin with. So you're yeah. just kind of hoping that there's, you're just flat and not going uphill or downhill because how you're stopping is you're falling. My preschool used to roller go to like a roller skating rink twice a week. So like since I, when I was three and they just had the regular old roller skates. So like, that's what I learned on. I don't really like roller blades. Uh, my feet are too bad, but I can't really do hockey. You know, I can't do ice skates. It's too much pressure on my ankles, but um, yeah, I grew up with it. My partner at the roller rink during preschool was Brian Hartline, now uh, wide receiver coach for Ohio State, former Miami Dolphin, Cleveland Brown. Pick up that name, twice. Nope, it's the only <laughs> name I got. He doesn't know who I am. But So you got to go on field trips to the ice skating rink or regular skating rink. Roll, you know, yeah, like roll. we were kids are going on field trips. My fifth grader gets to go to Universal to Hogwarts this year. Wow. Ain't that some shit. Oh, fifth yeah. grade. Like I'm talking my preschool. We had a twice a week standing standing uh reservation at an empty roller rink. That's cool. They probably yeah, they probably loved it. Like no one's coming to the roller rink at you know 10 a.m. or noon or whatever it was. They probably uh it was probably perfect for them. And then you'd go home and say, Mom, I want to go. I mean, well, you're three, how much are you talking? But theoretically, you're going home and say, Mom, I want to go to the roller rink because I had fun. Any anytime like somebody spills Pepsi on like carpet. It, I just get flashbacks, like because that's what that smell is. Like it, it <laughs> doesn't. It's it's Pepsi specifically. It's carpet specifically. But like, oh, flashbacks to preschool right here. And on that note, we're gonna wrap ourselves up right now. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And as I said at the beginning, hopefully this will be a beginning of a of a new regular for us. Um, I'd like to thank Mayor Matt, Allie, and Schweitz, and we'll go a quick round the horn. Mayor, where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Santini Matt on Twitter. I don't even know what it is on Instagram, but I'm easy to find. All right. Allie, how about you? Not busting my ass in the middle of the road in the greater downtown Tampa area. Okay. Schweitz? Uh, you can find me at Go Wish Will, a.k.a. Waffle House, a.k.a. Christy Yamaguchi Main, a happy birthday because today... On the day we are recording this, it is his birthday. So go flood his mentions and it, yeah, annoy him. Sounds like a great idea. And I'm at Stano in Brooklyn, S-T-A-I-A-N-O. Thanks for joining us. Check out our other podcast. Again, we have Post Post Game. We have Laugh to the Club and we have Cinemac. Um, and hope you guys are having a great summer. And for all your... Uh, shopping needs make sure you head over to shop.loweraffterhours.com Cincinnati Lou makes some great merchandise so have a great week and talk to you soon welcome back Ant thank you thank you it's good to be back thanks for listening to this episode of Lower After Hours you can always reach us on Twitter at Lower After Hours or Instagram at Lower After Hours We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.